The following is brought to you by TheKnowledge.com, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Hello and welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics Recall Day podcast for uh, September 14th, 2021. Normally these come out on Wednesday. You might be delighted to see that it is out early if you are uh, maybe getting off of work on, on the West Coast in California where indeed... The the decision, ooh, big decision, recall day. Will Gavin Newsom remain as the governor of California or will he be taken out like so much French laundry and cleaned from Sacramento? We will talk all about that. And really, this is going to be part one of a two-part recall coverage because obviously this is still in progress. So we're going to do our big thoughts on the recall before we know the results. And then later tonight, uh, whatever version of the information that we have, we will share with you in a part two that I'm going to do for the first time after I record my comedy podcast, Great Night, which tends to be a little bit of a loose affair. So uh, who knows what kind of mood I will be in at that point, but we will have part two for you later this evening. As for this show, we are going to break down the final poll position and holy crap, from the last time that we talked about the polling here, boy, howdy, did we have a gigantic change in direction. We will theorize on part of the reasons why that might have happened. We're then also going to do some of our, or well, I, I'm going to do my final grades on how the opponents of Gavin Newsom, the people that listed themselves as the future governors of California, ran their campaigns. Because whether or not they win, I've got thoughts on how they did winners and losers. And of course, if we're going to wrap up our recall conversation, we got to do it with the man who has been there with us throughout this entire situation, Josh Spivak, the the recall expert, got the he literally wrote the book on the subject. He will join us yet again for our final 2021 California recall conversation. All that Bird first. What in the hot hell happened with these polls, man? What happened with these polls? The last time that we did a poll or talked about polls... In any serious way on this show, I think we talked about about a, a Trafalgar poll a couple, uh, maybe last week, but we have not been talking a lot about polls since things looked a little tight for old Gav. Ooh, a little tight. When I was out in Nashville, we were, you know, there was a poll that came out, questionable methodology, I will say, and certainly at this point, an outlier but one that had uh, Gavin down 10. People were looking to remove that man. The Real Clear Politics average was at 2% advantage for recall. But then what happens? Well, <laughs> uh, uh, the Gavin fans woke the hell up. That's what. I'm going to read you just the last four polls going in to election day. Suffolk has uh, 
no on recall at plus 17. KABC has no on recall plus 13. Emerson has no on recall plus 20. And Trafalgar Group, which whether or not you're going to say that they're biased toward Republicans, they certainly have been more accurate about Republican sentiment over the last few years. They have recall up eight. So again, let me let me let me rehash these numbers here for you. On August 30th, the real clear politics average was remove plus two. On September 13th, it was no plus 15.2 percent. That's a 17 plus point swing in less than a month. In two weeks, in two weeks that happened. So what the hell did happen? Well, I got a few guesses. Number one, remember that Gavin Newsom has a tremendous budgetary advantage over the the recall in general. He's got a ton of money coming in. And that means that if you're using it correctly, you've got the advantage of letting people know that this is going to happen. So in a state that is so heavily majority Democrat, the more people that know about this special election happening, the more Democrats are going to vote for it. And so maybe at some point past August, the the, the Democrat it got real for for Democrats. The idea that, oh my God, our 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 sweet, sweet boy governor, he could be chucked out of power. Oh, would he never live down the shame? The reinforcements also arrived for Gavin, despite the fact that uh, they were supposed to be there a little bit earlier. Both Kamala Harris and Joe Biden eventually did campaign for Gav. Biden uh, did it uh, just this week, actually. And there might also be an element of inevitability to this. This is going to be a heavily mail-in ballot state. Um, and that has led to some controversies we're going to get uh, into in in a little bit. And specifically, every registered voter got a ballot, no matter what. Whether or not you were registered for mail-in voting, you got a ballot. And based on the early voting numbers, which I, I presume we're going to talk about a little bit later with Josh, the amount of ballots that have come back have been enough to make you very happy for Gavin Newsom. And so at this point, there just might be an element of, 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 of inevitability. Again, when you are ousting a sitting politician, and this even counts if you're trying to take down an incumbent, there's got to be an element of crisis or malaise. And if this is an active electorate and people are returning ballots, then it's certainly not going to be laziness that will oust Gavin Newsom. And as we will get in, as I talk about all of the candidates that are running against him, nobody was really able to find the crisis point. You know, let's say Delta, if Delta had hit LA a lot harder than it did, then maybe you see some more shutdown stuff and maybe you've got to, you, you, you can rekindle some of that COVID era magic where people were so upset with Gavin Newsom that they wanted to recall him. I mean, remember, as much as Gavin Newsom wants to say that this is a Republican recall, and certainly it is Republican operatives that began it, trust me, people were not exactly pleased with the government through COVID. Like especially as it continued to stretch on and on and on, how many times they switch their their metrics on when things are going to be locked down and when they aren't, when really there was only one metric, which is how many people were yelling at Gavin Newsom on Twitter. Like, none of that wound up coming back. And so I believe that's kind of why we are where we are. That being said, you never know. It wouldn't be the first. State polling is particularly 
erratic. California is not a state for which there is a lot of competitive statewide races. So if there were to be an upset in my mind, it wouldn't be crazy to think that the polling got it super wrong. That being said, if I really have money to put on this, I would take Gavin laying the points. All right. Even if we don't have actual final, uh, final results just yet, I've seen all I need to see to rate all these challengers. So I've separated them into a few buckets, giving them a few different awards. Let's start with the funniest. The joke, Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, the halcyon days when folks believed that Caitlyn Jenner could actually be a force in statewide politics. She had a very slick campaign ad initially. She had a bizarre interview with Sean Hannity in a plane hangar. (laughs) She then had another media rollout where, to be honest, I I think if, if, if it weren't for the fact that some people, uh, I think, treated her with kind of kid gloves, she would have been exposed even earlier than she was. And quite honestly, she wasn't a serious candidate. You know, if you are a serious candidate, this has got to be your life. If you want to run for statewide office in California, this has got to be your every waking moment. Like you can clown politicians and you can say that they are callow or hollow or, you know, ridiculous people. But there is no doubt that when you are playing at this level, If you're playing at Gavin Newsom's level, if you're playing at Kamala Harris's level, then this is what you wake up to and go to bed thinking. And that was never the case with Caitlyn. Caitlyn Jenner, uh, you know, never really had a solid issue. The one thing that seemed ready made for her in terms of the culture war issue was transgender athletics and and the access uh, of you know on all sides of that obviously being a noted mega famous athlete and somebody who later in life transitioned like that's something that's absolutely made for her to talk about and she flip-flopped on that issue immediately but even then and we're going to get to this with some of the other candidates, you've got to find, you got to keep auditioning issues for people to latch on to. If you're going to win as a Republican in California, it's got to be post-party. You can't be talking about Republican issues. And that's why I think people initially glommed on to Caitlyn Jenner's messaging because her, her that initial ad was about the loss of the California dream. I moved to California because I wanted to experience it. And now look at us. Homelessness, taxes, wildfires. Things are not going well and we need emergency action on it. I'm the person to do it. That's a fine speech, as John Cena would say. But there was no action behind it. And she really didn't even have messaging to supplement that initial announcement. It's a joke, and so is she. Our next category, the Washington Generals. I've said before that the Republican Party in California is the Washington Generals to the Democrats' Harlem Globetrotters, and boy, howdy, did they trot out three of them that were just ready to get dunked on. Cox, Falconer, Kylie. Cox and Falconer are are guys that just run for offices in in California. The biggest thing that 
Cox got news for was that he traveled the country with a bear. He ran his campaign initially on the idea that Gavin Newsom is too pretty. Falconer is the former mayor of San Diego. But again, look, if if you were going to have the advantage of being a Republican in California, you would have had more success running against Gavin Newsom in a general election. Now, Kylie is the third one, and, and he tried to differentiate himself a little bit more as not the same old, same old Republican. He actually, I thought, had some interesting ideas. Like he specifically, well, we talked about this on, on the podcast a few weeks ago, the idea that Gavin, you know, part of the like, if you hate Gavin, why do you still vote to keep him argument for Democrats is, well, what if Dianne Feinstein dies? If Dianne Feinstein dies in the year between when Gavin gets replaced and there's a new uh, election for, for governor, that means that we would have a Republican senator from California for like three years. So Kylie made the argument to say, hey, look, I'm going to pledge right now that if there is any replacement of a senator, I will put it up to the people to vote on it, which I thought was a good idea. Again, if you're going to win, you need to be post-party. Unfortunately, Kylie was coming from the California Republican Party. There was massive infighting within it. You would think that the California Republican Party would be living for the moment that they get an opportunity like this. This is when they can win an election. No, they stepped so hard on their own pain. It fell off and now they can sell it on eBay. It's just a bad look for all of them. They remain the step stool party for the Democrats. They should be ashamed. They indeed are the Washington generals. All right, let's get into some people who I thought distinguished themselves well from a campaign perspective. The insurgent. Our boy! Meet Kevin Paffraff. To my knowledge, Nobody interviewed Kevin Paffraff before we did. He's very happy to be on top of that. And I think he did very, very, very well. On this show, the one thing I, I, I told him that he needed was just a, a slogan for people to understand. And he found one, a JFK-style Democrat. I will say, even go so far as to say this, that if somebody who had any kind of Democratic Party name recognition ran the campaign that Kevin Paffraff did, we might be having a very, very different conversation than if, you know, than, than what happened with Kevin. That's all I'm saying. Like he ran, I thought, an excellent campaign, an insurgent campaign, and one that has continued to make him the second highest vote receiver or, or, or polling opposition candidate in the California recall. There's Larry Elder, who we're going to get to in a second, and him. And that dude is a YouTuber. He is an influencer, but he has a lot of hustle. He's got a, a, a great political rhetoric. And he was somebody that attracted a fan base from out of nowhere. My central thesis that an influencer could be governor of California, I think kind of is, is validated here. Now, granted, they didn't become the governor of California. It's highly unlikely that Kevin Paffraff is going to win this. That being said, Kevin is not a massive YouTuber. He's, he's a very successful YouTuber. He is somebody that... Uh, deserves all the success that he has. And again, I think he ran an, ex an, an exceptional campaign. But if you had somebody that was 10X his popularity, again, running the campaign that he ran, I think we're probably having a different conversation here. 
because it would have been able to break the fairly hardened narrative that Gavin Newsom ran on. And that ultimately is what I thought was, I think, the thing that people were rewarding PAFRAF for. Is that a lot of Democrats are annoyed with Gavin Newsom. A lot of Democrats are frustrated with how the state is being run. A lot of Democrats are choking on wildfire smoke. A lot of Democrats are frustrated by the uh, amount of homelessness. A lot of Democrats are frustrated by the fact that things were closed for as long as they were closed and that there didn't seem to be a tremendous amount of messaging. So the fact that nobody else gave voice to that frustration but Kevin shows an element of understanding, of moxie, and of execution that I want to Reward. So the insurgent, meet Kevin Pafraff. And finally, the man who has dominated all of these polls leading into the recall and the man that eventually broke away from the pack enough that Gavin Newsom was able to de facto kind of run against him, Larry Elder. Larry Elder is a conservative radio show host. He is certainly somebody that, uh, you know, was, was, he's charismatic. He was able to identify the problems with the state. While I was in Las Vegas, watching a little bit of Sunday night football, I, I got fed one of his ads because, of course, uh, everybody from L.A. empties into Vegas every weekend. And I thought it was pretty effective. It was, uh, I would play it here, but it's its all text on screen. Effectively, it attacks Gavin Newsom for protecting PG&E. And this is something that I think is an effective strategy. Ultimately, if Gavin were to go down, it had to be post-party. I'll say that one more time, just in case people haven't heard it enough. If Gavin Newsom was going to lose, the reasoning had to be beyond party. It had to be about corruption. It had to be about incompetence. It had to be about stagnancy. And so if you're going to attack Gavin for that, then attacking him like Elder did in this PG&E ad is very effective. The ad says, here are all the reasons why PG&E is responsible for these fires that happen so often in California. Here is the cost and the loss of life that happens because of these fires. And here are the concrete steps that Gavin Newsom has taken to protect PG&E. Let them off the hook from fines, giving them more leeway. And then it, it gets into some of the uh, alleged kickback stuff of donations that PG&E has made to Gavin Newsom and Newsom's wife's charity. And I think that's all fine and good, but Elder is very much a Republican. And that while I think he ran, he was the most compelling candidate by the polling. He is the most charismatic amongst them. I would say him and Pafraf are the two. And he had effective messaging. The problem is that you are running right into the teeth of the Newsom de defense. Newsom's defense was stop the Republican recall. And by the way, this is all Trump's fault. The most Trumpy candidate of this crew is the guy without previous political experience that happens to be an excellent talker who is going to throw bombs and say the things that other candidates won't say. That's Larry Elder. And so we have what we have. You know, there was a moment in which it looked like Elder had traction. You know, he has certainly been the highest polling of the opposition candidates. But again, the end of September, when this RCP average was at plus two, looked like he might have had something going. And then the Democrats woke up. So in review, the actual contender, Larry Elder. The insurgent, meet 
Kevin Pafraff, the Washington Generals, Cox, Falconer, and Kylie, and the joke, the punchline to this segment, Caitlyn Jenner, who, I might remind you, left in the middle of campaigning to compete in an Australian reality show. It's PX Free Week. We have free content on the main feed this week. The stuff that normally goes behind the paywall at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. I would have thought that on the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday podcast, where we go through all the Sunday shows, that we would have had a little bit more talk about the recall. We didn't. Instead, we got uh, a lot of really interesting stuff. The vaccine mandate fight. We got uh, uh, Joe Manchin and Bernie Sanders running around like Tom and Jerry and hitting each other with mallets across three different Sunday shows. And then we got a little news. Justice Breyer, who is under pressure by some Democratic lawmakers to resign from the Supreme Court since he's old and they're very, very scared about another Ruth Bader Ginsburg situation happening should they lose power. He did an interview on Fox News wherein, as you might imagine, he said, I ain't going nowhere. If you haven't listened to the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show, I would love for you to do it. I want you to get a sense of what happens on the Patreon because it's not just me farting into a microphone. It is, uh, I love putting together that uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday program. And I love doing the late edition, which gets recorded on Thursday, which is the latest that we uh, are, I, I am recording to catch news by the end of the week. It's all free this week. So, so if, if you, if you saw it and you didn't know what, 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 what that was in your feed, go back and listen to the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday program. And please, Stay tuned to the Thursday show as well. That is all free and it is all at the largesse of our patrons. Take politics seriously.com. And of course, I'm working hard for you this week, even beyond that. I'm trying to make PX Free Week even more special because I'm doing this two parter here for you today. If you want to recognize, that level of quality. If you are listening to that Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show and you're like, damn, this would be a great way to start each and every week. You know, it's not just a show, baby. It's a lifestyle. You're going to know this stuff. You're going to be, you're going to be informed and we're getting back into the meat of this, right? We're getting, we're getting back into the season. I can smell November from here. And once we're at November, oh yeah, we begin midterm year. Very thrilled. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Please continue to enjoy PX Free. Our guest today has been with us from the very beginning. When we were talking about this recall as a petition, we first had this man on. He runs the Recall Elections blog, where he covers not only the California recall election, but recall elections around the country. And he is the author of the brand new book, Recall Elections, from Alexander Hamilton to Gavin Newsom, available Right now, for the last time, I'm wistful, in our California recall coverage, let's welcome Joshua Spivak. Welcome back to the show, Josh. Thanks for having me on. Uh, glad to be here on this big day. Big day, big day, big day, election day. Uh so I'll start with the question that I asked myself at the beginning of this podcast. What the hell happened from the end of August to where we are now when it comes to the polls? I think it was 
basically Democrats woke up, realized, hey, we've got to get out and vote. And that worked. Uh, I also think maybe the polls were really focused on likely voters and the polls, the numbers we saw kept talking about likely voters. And there was an idea that Democrats would not come out. Uh, So this is one of there's two great stats I like about gubernatorial recalls. One is voter turnout goes up Uh, between Schwarzenegger, between 2002 and 2003. It went up a lot. Uh, Walker. Between 2010 and 2012, it went up 500,000 votes. And, you know, that's in Wisconsin. And even back in 1921 with Lynn Frazier, it went up, uh, relatively speaking. That's that's a whole weird thing, including women's suffrage in that issue. Um, wow. So that's how far back we're talking. But recalls see a turnout boost for this and also for high-profile mayoral ones. San Francisco, Omaha, Miami-Dade all saw that. Yeah. So- uh, I think that there was maybe an expectation in the polls that people wouldn't show up and that it'll just be Republicans. And, you know, that's not happening. From the mail-in ballots so far, what are the trends? The trends are really good for Newsom. Uh, you know, we, we I can't say for sure, but we've seen over 8 million people yeah. come out. 12 million people voted in Newsom's 2010 race, uh, not 2010, 2018 race. So you're never going to see a yeah. presidential race number for gubernatorial office. That's too that, that's very unlikely. And that's 17 million people voted. But 10 days out from the 2020 election, which was also all had all mail ballots, 6.5 million people voted. We saw similar numbers this time. Uh, we're seeing 8 million, but it's going to be higher than that. So maybe it's going to be 10 million. Uh, maybe it's more. And the reality is because the Republicans have decided to be opposed to absentee ballots, uh, a complete reversal of their policy pre-Trump, you yeah. know, just a crazy, insane position. Uh, they are not voting that way. So the votes are probably heavily Democratic. From what we have seen so far and the fact that we have had a large demo or sorry, a large turnout, I guess my next question is by the laws of California, can we know that they are indeed Democrats that are voting or are we just taking that as a reality because so many Democrats vote by mail? I've seen one person say that he knows the vote total. I have no idea how, um, I think what we do know <laughs> is where the votes are coming from. So a lot of it is Northern okay. California. Marin was the highest. I think 50% of Marin came out already, something close to that. Uh, San Francisco, Alameda, the, the Northern California base that we know very much supports Democrats came out. The one concern for Newsom is Southern California has not shown up to the same degree. I think they're about 30% now. I didn't actually look at the numbers but uh, yesterday, but they're probably around 30. Yeah. He needs L.A. to show up. L.A. is 5 million votes. That's, that's a lot uh, to miss out. So a lot of the votes have come from the Democratic region. So that's already a good sign. Since the last time that we talked, uh, everything that we kind of predicted would happen in terms of saving Gavin's bacon indeed did. You saw the big avalanche of ads, which for which he had a huge war chest and the the brightest stars that the Democratic Party can provide. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden both came out, did in-person events for Gavin is that going to be part of the narrative that that the cavalry finally showed up? You know, I'm not sure because uh, Newsom may not want that as the narrative. I think for the Democrats, they will. But I think they, they'd rather the narrative be COVID and that this is a referendum yeah. on the policy. And in some ways it is. Uh, it started out as a COVID election for Republicans and the pro-recall forces. And we've seen this throughout the country. There's been 177 school board recall attempts this year alone. Normally, you get 50 to 70 in a year. Almost none of them get to the ballot. But it's just been a huge, huge issue. But they've reversed it. And if you look at the one piece of mail I got, 
it talked all about COVID. That's what it was. Stop the spread. That's exactly what they yep. want. So they wanted the issues to be two things. Now they've added abortion and other things. But really, one was that this is a, a uh, illegitimate attempt by Republicans, which every single recall yep. has. So that's not a surprising uh, no. policy choice, uh, electoral choice. But the other part is this is about COVID and this is our referendum. So if this wins, are Republic, are Democrats going to keep hitting on this in 2022? Yes. Uh, I think if it lost, maybe that loses the force. I don't think the Republicans would have focused on it, and maybe the Democrats wouldn't either. I guess this is an interesting data point for for Democrats as a national party to say that, all right, we had our most famous COVID celebrity governor Cuomo kind of swept off the stage, but that wasn't for COVID. That was for other stuff. The other big star was Gavin. He's going to be challenged. And with all likelihood, he's going to be uh, retained by the end of tonight or however long. Uh, I I, I guess. Yeah. I I don't really have any kind of follow-up question except to say that this is almost certainly going to be shown up as a a sign that the Democrats were right on COVID. They were right in the White House and they were right in terms of governorships. Right. And it, and it works for the base. You know, it's a, it works all over for them. I don't see any negative, except obviously in some of the red states, but they're probably not going to do too well there. Uh, even Idaho. So Idaho had a number of recalls in March and May. In, well, maybe it was May. They had six recalls of school board members and mayors, and they were on COVID and hybrid learning. And, you know, you're thinking it's Idaho, and these were not big towns. Uh, and the people yeah. survived. All the officials survived. So the idea that people are going to get voted out on it is certainly not the case. And I think Newsom is a big argument of that uh, point. Yeah. They also did a fairly good job that the, the Newsom campaign did to nationalize this. You you made mention before that abortion became something that was a rallying cry for them. But nothing was nationalized more than this bizarre rivalry between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis. And it is a mutual thing for both of them because they both benefit locally with their base by saying, look, I'm not him. Uh, I can be different than what they are doing. From the strategic point of view for Gavin, how well did he use pointing to other states and saying, if you think I did bad, look at them? I'm not sure that that was the key thing. I think Larry Elder emerging as the top contender really helped. So it, it helped okay. both him and Elder. So it was one exactly the same situation yeah. where both of them are benefiting. So he at, up till then, he was it's Newsom versus Newsom. So it was Newsom versus Trump. That's what he was trying to do it as. But yeah. Trump is not on the ballot. So it's really hard to make that argument in the same way. So suddenly, once yeah. the Republicans coalesce effectively around uh, Elder, he had Elder. the good comparison. If it was Kevin Faulkner... You know, maybe it's a different story if it was and I don't know about Caitlyn Jenner, but if it was others, well, if it was Caitlyn Jenner, it would have been different, at least it would have been a different story. Yeah. But uh, certainly the Republicans coalesced around one guy and that guy was perfect for uh, Newsom to make comparisons against. So uh, maybe that is also an element of how these polls change, because it's one thing if it's like, let's have a referendum on your personal feelings about Gavin Newsom, because those can be all over the place. Like parents can say my kids weren't in school fast enough. Small business owners can say I I wasn't able to open my shop and Netflix was, was able to shoot movies. But as soon as it becomes Newsom versus Elder. Now we're right back to those red blue dynamics. And that's exactly where Gavin wanted it. Yes, right? exactly. I mean, this is really what he wanted. This is what he needed. And it helped uh, immensely. So I think uh, that, you know, that was a big thing in the polls, probably just, but that was also a way to focus the mind on the recall uh, for voters. So 
everything was about getting voters aware of this. And I, I kind of have a lot of questions on how Newsom's strategy went. I, as I mentioned before, I received one piece of mail. I don't know anyone else who's received any oh, mail. Oh, wow. Uh, that's, you know, um, David Nair from the Daily Cause, which is, uh, you know, pretty popular website and, and does yep. a really good job on elections. He said, you know, it's a, a mail-in election. Don't you think they would just flood it so that the day you get it, you see like vote no, even just to make sure you're not thinking voting yes is right. Just why not? And yeah. I don't know. They didn't do that. They, I thought they made a mistake on the early election. I mean, I guess maybe they didn't, but I think if they had more time, it would have helped still, you know, get the turnout up, get the, get it closer to the next election. So, you know, it's that much less likely that a Republican has any chance of winning, but you know, if it works, it works. I, I, I think it was a gamble. And they might have totally screwed themselves had Delta hit L.A. harder. And and that was always a possibility considering it hit a lot of the other Sunbelt uh, states fairly hard. But if we had seen super increased hospitalizations and something that was on par with what we've seen in other states, I don't know. I, I think they would have been screwed, but it didn't. It hasn't. And now if after this, let's say there's a big spike in, in the Bay Area, then it's not going to matter politically. Yeah, yes, that's definitely true. And I think that's what they thought, that maybe there'll be a spike in November versus now, just based on last year. I think the real what I, yeah. what I was wondering about was, let's say the school openings are screwed up. That could hurt him. Uh, they, I guess they felt like, OK, you know, California opens in August anyway. By then, everybody will forget about it. Uh, and the school openings work. But that, that was kind of a, a risky decision, I thought, at least. Yeah. The one other thing that we saw since the last time that we spoke was Newsom getting a little bit more animated. You know, he had a very contentious back and forth with reporters, and he has since kind of very much stepped up his uh, aggressive. I'm not hiding behind my record. I'm proud of my record. Here's why we're great. Eat your heart out, Texas and Florida. Uh, I, I feel like I guess this goes back to our elder thing that elder being in the race gives him the ability to do that. It gives him the ability to be chesty, especially since Elder isn't somebody that is from an established political background. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that was a big help. Um, just anytime there's something where he's getting into it, that helps. I think it never helps to run the the uh, Rose Garden campaign, really. Yeah. Not a way to do it. Everything's but great. You yeah. you have to. They people want an aggressive campaign. You you just got to be out there. Uh, I think that was, that's stuck in the 19th century, and I don't even think it worked too well then. Uh, so um, I you yeah. know you want a guy who's active, who's a fighter. That's just how people are. Uh, you know, Adelaide Stevenson lost twice. That's all there is to say. <laughs> This is why I love you. This is why I love you, because we get to make Adelaide Stevenson comparisons. Uh, the one thing that does surprise me, especially considering where the seeds of this recall were kind of built up, is that there are, by polling, things that are cross-party problems that California citizens believe need to be dealt with that continue to either exist or get worse, including stuff that's happening now, like wildfires, homelessness, the economy, the price of living, the price of a home, the list kind of goes on and on. And yet none of the candidates, none of the established Republicans who you think would only exclusively be thinking about how to hang these problems on the majority party, nor really any of the outsiders have been able to find the hook that sticks these things to Gavin in a post-party way. Do we have any reason uh, to think of why that couldn't happen? Well, I don't think it works well in a recall situation. I, I like to think of that as the kitchen sink recall. Uh, and, you know, we kind okay. of saw it with Scott Walker. It started as a labor recall. It was about 
the, yeah. the position. But if you look by the end, that subject had been deserted, abandoned. They were talking about corruption. They were talking about other things, and it did not work for them. So I think you, you do want to stick to your big issue. The problem was the Republicans yeah. had lost the plot on it and maybe never have had it in the first place. So, yeah, it's, it's a real challenge that they couldn't do it. But the, you know, the cross-party thing is, is interesting um, because there's two other major recalls happening in California that may get to the ballot. Uh, the DA okay. in San Francisco, the one in LA is, is not going to go anywhere, I would imagine, but the DA in San Francisco and the school board. And both of those are in a city that is very democratic, but that's still yep. getting the support and they build all of those people might lose. Uh, and it is because it's yeah. a cross party position. So, you know, crime, I guess, is still that issue. Uh, education is not, but if you, take some crazy stands, maybe that will blow up in your face. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I guess maybe, and, and this helps. And the, the, the reason why you've been on here so many times uh, is, is great to kind of remember where this came from. So let's, let's reset. And can you please remind people, Josh, that every single governor has faced a recall attempt in California because the bar is lower in the Golden State than it is in other places. Right. right? So it is the lowest. And every governor since um, Earl Warren uh, has faced an attempt and one before Earl Warren. Uh, so, you know, actually, no, I think it's since uh, Ed, Pat Brown um, and, and the okay. Democrat before Earl Warren. But so the, the bar is lower. It's only 12 percent of t turnout in the last election. But notice there's been 55 attempts. Only two got to the ballot. And one of them required just an extraordinary event, including another 120 days given by a judge. If that didn't happen, this doesn't get to the ballot. This right. wouldn't have and happened. Yeah. Gray Davis had the lowest voter turnout in California history by quite a bit. So it was easy to get it yeah. on the ballot, relatively speaking. So I'm not sure that it's OK, this is going to happen anyway. Uh, you know, like this is just life. It's it, it's uh, still a very hard, big hill to climb. Yeah. So I, I, I would I would like to push back against the narrative that seems to have popped up that this is too easy, that, that the bar too clear is too low. It is certainly low enough that people feel like they need to scratch off the lottery ticket in case things go bad. And it can snowball like it did here. But like you pointed out, if it's not for COVID giving it an extension and it being a particularly chaotic moment in Gavin's uh, term, I don't think that this hits the ballot at all. But, you know, I think this is the most signatures anything ever handed in for anything in the U.S. history. Um, yeah, I think this is the most signatures ever handed in for anything in U.S. history, you know, including any petitions or anything like that, any initiatives. I think you need more, like close to double the amount of signatures as you would need to get on as president on the ballot in 50 states. So wow. it's really, you know, it, it is a tough challenge. And, and in the end, they may just go down to defeat for doing it. So and possibly dig themselves a little bit more in the hole politically in this state, in a state worth one fifth of the electoral college vote. So this is, uh, yeah. you know, maybe it's something that, OK, there's a penalty. There's the boomerang effect. It's not going to help you if you do that. But you still have that right. Uh, one of the negatives but that uh, that I'm never a fan of, they're, they're saying, like, oh, why should we have this? Well, 76 percent of the California voters approved that. And not only did they, that was 1911, yeah. sure, but Minnesota voted on it and 88% of them approved it in 1996 and 75% in New Jersey in 1993. Uh, voters liked the thing and they, they decided it. So maybe that's enough. That should be enough that voters want this provision. Look, if you are the governor in a state with that kind of voter registration advantage, then you got to win. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to hear about how this is. Oh, it's so tough. And what an onerous thing. No, 
you were were enough of a a, a target to have this thing happen. Yeah, it was because of COVID, but also you've got the advantage and you've got the money. Like you should be able to beat this back if you're Gavin. Yeah, yeah. And look, I see this as a positive for him in many ways. He may have just won 2022. He may have pulled up a number of Democrats in the uh, in congressional races in the state because maybe the yeah. Republicans can't run anyone good in 2022. This is a uh, all positive for him. It was a high risk, high reward, presu- presuming he wins, presuming he wins by a good amount. Yeah, um, it's it's a positive. And, you know, so stop crying <laughs> but for the Democrats. So there's like a bigger story, I think. Uh, the Democrats are now talking about making changes uh, and they see the two gubernatorial elections were both against Democrats. It's actually a bigger argument against them. They have since 1994, there have been six state legislative recalls and all but one was against the Democrat or people who were supporting the Democrats. So seven of eight yeah. were against Democrats. But what's happened? That's not the key data point. It's not seven of eight. It's 1994. Because since 1994, when Pete Wilson won his fourth term, when the not his fourth term, the fourth straight term of a Republican in office, it, then the Republicans were in office for all the 22 years of the 20, uh, 20th century. You know, the Republicans had the House was split 50-50. They had a Senate seat for all but 14 years of the 20th century. They won 10 of 11 straight presidential elections until 1988, right? This was their cornerstone. And look at today, the Republicans, yeah. Gavin Newsom and Jerry Brown, this is the longest stretch that Democrats have ever held the governor's mansion in California. Democrats, the last time they won three elections, it was two-year terms and it was back in the 1850s. This is a massive change, super majorities in both houses. The co- Congress is held together because of the Democrats' supermajority in House seats. The Republicans, yeah. I don't know who they're going to run in 2022 for the U.S. Senate, but I know that person has no chance of winning. And that person, in fact, may <laughs> not make top, top two. And Joe Biden today yeah. could write in, we could write in those 54 electoral college votes, one-fifth of the amount needed to win the presidency, yep. just write it in for Joe Biden today or whoever the Democrats run. If this is the price you have to pay, you know, a couple of recall elections for this Shangri-La, yeah, you you sign that check. Absolutely. And also for the Republicans, this has been a total disaster. Like the the three established Republicans are currently polling behind a talk radio host and a YouTuber in Kevin Pafraf and Larry Elder. Like that is an Embarrassment. Like this should be the thing you live for. You should think when you wake up in the morning and you go to sleep at night, you should be thinking, how could we take advantage of a recall? How can we erode in any possible way? And instead, we got uh, the beauty versus the beast and, and uh, you know, a, a, an insurgent Twitter campaign. This is I mean, considering the money that is in California I, I I don't know. I mean, at, at some point, the entire party just needs to think about hitting the reset right. the, button. The shortcut doesn't work. It's not a good way to go. Uh, look, there's, there's states like this for the Democrats. You know, arguably Florida is this yeah. disaster for the Democrats, like what's happening here. But California, they no, but but they but they're competitive. Right. Like, like you can you can say that the Florida Democratic Party is a punching bag. Gillum runs close against DeSantis. Right. Like, I think DeSantis is going to win coming up, but it's going to be a competition against either Freed or Chris. It's not like what it's going to be next year in California, where it'll be a total laugh. So that, that's actually, you know, the big point. It's not like Texas. It's not like New York for the Democrats. Even it's not like Ohio or Florida. It's like Idaho. That's what California and yeah. California, the two biggest Republicans in recent memory, Nixon and Reagan, the two best Republican showings ever, arguably, were from California. Yep. That Republican ascendancy 
you know, you think about 1968, there's a Republican ascendancy. Yeah. That was based on California. It wasn't the South. It was California. And it was California and the suburbs and the suburbs were were epitomized by California. They've lost the plot completely in this state. And that's part of the reason why they've lost seven of eight uh, presidential races. And, you know, if they can't get it back here, that's, you know, a lot of votes you're losing, a lot of seats in Congress and the huge electoral college disadvantage right off the bat. Yeah, you you you've swayed me. I I I feel like now my biggest narrative is is the meta of like, if not now, when for uh, California Republicans, like this is a total embarrassment. No matter what, like look, Gavin survives. That's fine. The fact that the California Republican Party couldn't even produce the number one replacement vote getter. And more than that, not even the number two, most likely, if polls hold uh, based on how everything goes. And that's a Democratic YouTuber. Like, geez, what are you what are you doing? Yeah, it's it's just not a good sign for them. And uh, they should have looked to build on 2020 where they won four congressional seats. Uh, but they didn't. Yeah. They, they went for let's shoot the moon. And, you know, that doesn't work all the time. I guess that was the other thing is that not only did they not recruit somebody that would be able to kind of run well standing next to Gavin, but they couldn't even get on the same page in endorsing one person from the party. That I think is more of a a personal choice. Like they know they're going to pay a penalty if they they do it. So let's not do that. But yeah, they don't but, even yeah, I don't even know I who that know. person is. That's that's the problem. Like Faulkner. I, I don't know who who is that person. I think the reason Elder ran was he saw that there was this just nobody there. And, hey, I could step in and be the name. And at the very least, this helps my yeah. career. And it does. It does. Look, uh, uh, God bless Elder. He will have increased ratings. God bless uh, Pafraf. He will indeed have increased subscriptions. But for the rest of the people that are actually, I don't know, career politicians in the state, maybe this could have also been an opportunity to further their career in their chosen profession. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really something. Oh, I don't my even know word. how All right. To. I'll tell you what, the only thing that would be even funnier is if for whatever reason this succeeds and I have to apologize for this entire interview tomorrow. But I don't think it'll be the case. I think that we are both correct. And uh, Gavin holds on. Do do you hazard a guess on a win percentage? So here's the other stat. I mentioned one stat. Here's another one. Recall elections against governor. Frequently recall elections are blowout or, you know, they close. It It really depends. But against governors in these three gubernatorial elections, they've come very close to the same result as the election that they won. Gray Davis, 47 percent, 44.6 in his uh, recall. Scott Walker, 52.3 in 2010, 53.1 in 2012. Lynn Frazier, 51.49 one way, 51.49 the other way in in 1921. So- you know, maybe that's what happens here where we see a very similar vote. And that kind of feels right in that Biden got 64 uh, percent. Yeah. 62. You know, I don't know. I, I who knows what will happen, but I think that's what Newsom really wants to say. And what was Newsom's uh, win percentage in 2018? 61.9. 61.9 of yeah. the vote. So, yeah. So you know, like if he could get fifty nine, that's that's a huge win. You know, the question is, if it's fifty five, do the Republicans start feeling like, hey, we did great, and then let's do this again? Basically, I think they're always going to do it, and and based on the rules, like I I think they probably should. But the, the the larger point isn't should there be conservative elements that are pushing for a recall. It should rather be when we get to the big stage, 
How can we not soil ourselves in front of the largest state in the union? Because that's what has consistently happened, not only in these uh, general elections or gubernatorial elections, but also in things like this, which was an absolute and and total embarrassment for the party. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really, it's something. I, I don't I don't know how to even describe that at this point. Uh, uh, Let's go ahead and plug your uh, brand new book. Uh, What is it called and where can people get it? It's the complicated title of Recall Elections from Gavin Newsom to uh, from Alexander Hamilton to Gavin Newsom. So I trace this back actually to Greece and Rome in a bit, but uh, early American history and then look at the state legislative ones. I don't really go into too much depth on the locals, though I do mention how it was used to fight the KKK. Uh, so that's always that. always interesting. And you can get it on Amazon uh, for five bucks on ebook. So um, let me know if you want to read it. I'm happy to to discuss. Well, let me let me just say for everybody who has been listening to this show for the last year and therefore has heard Josh on this show repeatedly. Let's go ahead and thank him. Let's go buy the book. Let's leave a five-star review on Amazon because that greatly helps uh, the, 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 the placement and recommendations. Uh, this is the day to do it. Josh, thank you so much, not only for today, but throughout this entire yeah, process. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's been great. Uh, really a lot of fun. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Well, not today, maybe tonight. I don't know. We're going to play by ear on part two. Probably tonight. If there's not enough information, we might wait until early tomorrow. But either way, we're going to have a a recap for you before our regular Thursday show. I want to again thank Josh Spivak. Let's go ahead and all uh, go buy that book. Uh, let's buy that book. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Also, go uh, thank Josh for the year's worth of appearances that he's done on this show by heading on over to px3guest.com. Our email is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Our Twitter is px3tweets. Our podcast can be found at px3podcast.com. And our merch is at politicsmerch.com. If you'd like to support this show with a one-time donation, you can do so at paypal.me slash payjury. On Venmo, it's justin-young-20. And on Cash App, it is px3cash. If you would like to send something to our P.O. Box, you can do so at P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, you can always get our bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. The same bonus content you're you're getting for free this week because it's PX Free Week. But if you like what you hear and you want to sign up, the $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week and the $10 tier gets your name read at the end of each and every main feed show up to and including ooh, we got some new nicknames Idris Arslanian DJ Katie Mack Neemeister Dr. G Lord Scale De Quince Anile Admiral Flapjack Utah Jimmy Montana Edmund Pluribus Unum Pete Spiracy 70s TV salesman or spy D really and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order Zombie Doc, Edison, no mention on the podcast, please. Dot Com Junkie, DP4 Bongo, Ye Old Pinball Shop, John Snuffy's Off Route 44, Brian, Neil, Darren, Olin and Angela, DL, Stephen, Chad, Miranda Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners, Brad, Richard, D Laser, just another pilot, Mike, the Jen, Will, Jay Pink, and Andrew. One last time, you want to get your name on that? Go ahead and uh, go ahead and do it. Uh, so, part two, either tonight or tomorrow, as soon as there's relevant news for which we can kind of uh, chop on up, we will do that. And then, 
the late edition on Thursday. Another show on Friday. Not sure who the guest is going to be. But we'll all find out together now, won't we? Till then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying R.I.P. Norm MacDonald. And that's just how we're going to end the show. Norm's a legend. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.